Super excited to have the amazing Dr. Slonim with us today. Um, not a Dallas native, but you, you're here in Dallas, right? <laughs> I am. I am. Where are you originally from, Doc? I am originally from Miami, Florida, uh, and I lived there until I was 18. And then since then, I've been traveling all over. Wow, that's amazing. And so how long have you been in the Dallas Metroplex? I, longer than a lot of people have been alive. I've been there 22 <laughs> years. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, longer than some of the listeners yeah. <laughs> that I have. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? Um, and then I'll kind of chat about our topic today. Sure. My field is called interventional radiology. So what I do is minimally invasive image guided surgeries, kind of like what cardiologists do in the heart with balloons and stents. I do those same types of techniques in all the other organs, in all the other blood vessels, and I use, use the catheters in other organs. It's like uh, very fancy plumbing in yeah. the body. And my practice, I've, I've gone down to a very, very focused niche where all I do is treat uterine fibroids. Yeah. I treat uterine fibroids without surgery. So it's, I have a very specialized practice because I'm very dedicated to treating fibroids. But the bottom line is my, my practice, it's called the Fibroid Institute Dallas. And, and now we just opened one in tech in Houston. So we're expanding to become the Fibroid Institute Houston. I saw that. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Amazing. Very exciting. We're very excited <laughs> about that. Um, but the bottom line is I feed a tiny tube through the blood vessels, right mm -hmm. to the blood supply to the fibroids. I block it from the inside, so it cuts off the blood supply to the fibroids. The fibroids will die and shrink, and 90% of the time that takes care of all the symptoms. So we treat the fibroids without surgery. That is pretty amazing. Um, I think when I first heard about UFE, um, I was, what one, very excited because I first of all thought about all the you know, you, as a pelvic floor therapist, I'm thinking about like scar tissue, all the post-op right. problems, you know, right. and just how this is truly what we consider minimally invasive because you're really not even making an abdominal or pelvic incision at all. Absolutely not. This is insane. And end up with a tiny little dot on their wrist. On your wrist of all yeah. places. That's exactly. Amazing. So yeah. what you what got you in the field though? I mean, I mean, this is super specialized. Well, well I went into my my specialty because I was interested in doing surgery. And when I was in medical school many, many years ago, <laughs> uh, the surgery residents were complaining that the interventional radiologists were taking over their field. So I figured that is the way to go, minimally invasive. But in terms of doing my current practice, um, I had been at a big, I'd been at Methodist Dallas and Methodist Charlton for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I had just reached a point in my career where I wanted to do something different and I had the opportunity. I joined uh, this outpatient. It's a unique outpatient practice. Most of the people who do what I do are in a hospital and there were a couple of people who were setting up a practice outside of the hospital. So we yeah. have all the equipment that we need outside the hospital. 
And they said, do whatever you want. And I said, I want to do fibroids because it's something that I feel is, it's, you know what? I, I am not opposed to hysterectomy. I am opposed to unwanted hysterectomy. Yes. I'm good at it. And I think it needs to be offered to women. And so I decided this is what I want to do. And I've had, had the opportunity to build a very busy practice doing it. Yeah. She's really playing it safe. Y'all. She's very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She's Thank very you. busy. She's being modest. Um, but I think it's always just important for us to kind of just clarify too where this comes from, because a lot of people are just not aware, you know, I have a lot of patients that come into my office and sometimes when they're speaking to providers that are not super, um, you know, they're just not well-versed. They don't have a lot of experience. The main thing is always hysterectomy. And when you Absolutely. have folks that still have reproductive goals and, you know, still have just other things that they're going through there, it's just like, this is, there must be something else. So tell me about kind of who is the ideal patient that typically does really well with um, the UFE procedure? So it does depend what your goals are. My typical patient is between 35 and 55. And usually with... Well, I treat patients who have either one big fibroid or multiple small or medium-sized fibroids. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get women with lots of big fibroids. Um, the bottom line is women who have symptomatic fibroids. Okay. And I'll tell you that, especially when I started my practice, probably 95% of my patients came to me kind of behind the back of their gynecologist, you know, without <laughs> telling, you know, they, they either... Like they don't want you to like, oh, no, no, don't request any, you know, imaging from yeah, them. Let's exactly. just keep it between us. <laughs> yeah, but um, I usually was able to say, let me just talk to your gynecologist. Most gynecologists who, who um, have had, who say don't do a UFE, they've had a bad experience by, by having one with a doctor who doesn't take good care of their patients. Mm. So if the gynecologist is left taking care with care of a problem, you know, that they didn't, they didn't, they don't know about it, or they've had a bad experience in the past. But anyway, the women that I'm interested in uh, treating, the women who are the best candidates for me have symptomatic fibroids uh, that need to be treated. Ideally, they're not trying to get pregnant now. Mm. That is the, um, the ideal. We need to get into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and who have, uh, you know, there's a few other reasons that most women are a good candidate. The reasons you would not be a good candidate would be you're allergic to x-ray dye, but we can take care of that. You're on a blood thinner, but we could take care of that. If you've had pelvic radiation, you're not a good candidate, okay. period. Okay. All right. If you have an infection going on, you need oh, to wait until good. the infection's cleared. <clears throat> Other than that, uh, you're pretty much a good candidate. Yeah. So speaking of which, I mean, this is a pretty big one because a lot of women, the incentive to get you know rid of their fibroids is because they want to have a baby. So right. what makes this a little bit of a different procedure that might not be appropriate for that population? So here's the bottom line your absolute best chance of ending up with a baby is if you don't do anything to the uterus, don't touch it. Mm. Even if you have fibroids, think, okay, now you maybe have heard this, maybe you haven't. 80% of black women have fibroids. Yep, yep. Right? I've heard of the statistic, it's pretty staggering. It's staggering, but you know that it's not 80% of black women who have trouble getting pregnant. It's yeah. a much, much smaller number. Most women with fibroids are able to get pregnant and carry a pregnancy to term and have a normal baby without any trouble. 
-hmm. And that is the, the best way to have a pregnancy, even if you have mm -hmm. fibroids. Now, if you need your fibroids treated, there's a lot of, so the, the best treatment options for women who need their fibroids treated, in my opinion, are myomectomy, surge, mm -hmm. who want to keep their uterus, surgery to remove the fibroids and leave the uterus in place, and UFE, uterine fibroid embolization. There was, uh, if you look at the data, Mm -hmm. of, there's been lots and lots of studies of the ability to achieve pregnancy after either one of those procedures. It's pretty similar. Yeah. It's about 75%, okay, in both of those. But if you look at the outcomes, there's only been one study that looked at ending up with a live baby. It was a randomized trial comparing myomectomy and UFE. The best chance of getting pregnant was myomectomy. Wow. The best chance of ending up with a live baby was myomectomy. Wow. The highest chance of miscarriage was in the UFE group. Wow. So the bottom line is you're since that time, surgery is the gold standard yeah. for, for taking care of fibroids if you want to get pregnant. But I'm going to tell you, there was another study that was done that looked at women who had infertility because of fibroids. Hmm. Okay. So what does that mean? That means they had tried to get pregnant for two years unsuccessfully. Okay. We know that their hormone levels are good. We know that their tubes are open. We know that their partners mm. have good sperm. Everything is right. They're just not getting pregnant. So we say okay. it's from the fibroids. Okay. Now these women either were not a candidate to have surgery or they refused it. They were offered UFE. Okay. Now in that group, 40% of them became pregnant. 30% of them ended up with a baby. Okay. 30% is not great, but it's a whole lot better than zero, which is. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I tell my patients, if you're trying to get pregnant, um, do it, <laughs> go out tonight and get pregnant. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, if you're having trouble getting pregnant, I usually say, go see a fertility doc yeah, and do whatever yeah. she says. And I guarantee you, she's not going to say have a UFE. Yeah. The only time fertility docs send me patients is when they think there's no way you're going to get pregnant anyway. Wow. But, but if you, your gynecologist says you need a hysterectomy, you can't have surgery and you're still trying to get pregnant. I will do a UFE because I mean, I've had, I've had women in that situation where they've been told by several gynecologists, you have to have a hysterectomy. We do the UFE and they've got babies now. So that's really good. And I think obviously, you know, reproductive goals are always seem to be like the most dominant part of the discussion, but honestly, even from what I've seen in practice, women just want to feel better in their bodies, right? You know, there are right. so many other reasons why they, I'm sure they show up at your office and want to get rid of their fibroids, right? Absolutely. Not to mention the symptoms that fibroids cause. Yeah. Women are just trained to ignore, tough it out. Yeah. Suck it up. This is part of being a woman. You know, yeah. this is, you know, this is what you're going to go through, but uh, most of the time there's something we can do about that. Yeah. You know, the fibroid symptoms of heavy bleeding, cramping, pain, bloating, constipation, urinary frequency, back pain, all it pain during sex, all kinds of things. We can make those better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important enough that even though these symptoms may seem bearable for some, <laughs> if you can live without it, why not, you know, get a procedure that can kind Absolutely. of eliminate. Absolutely. And, and so one thing that I think surprised me the most whenever I was um, doing my research about UFEs a couple of years ago was just the, the, the downtime is just like nothing. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit so, about, about kind of like recovering and kind of what you were seeing in your patients, you know, compared, especially to getting a myomectomy. Okay. So when you get a myomectomy, if you have to have an open surgery, 
Mm-hmm. Recovery time is usually six to eight weeks. It's a it's a big surgery. Yeah. If you can have it laparoscopically or robotically, it can be done. It can be that your recovery time is as short as two weeks. You know, depending on how bad, how many fibroids. Uh, with the UFE, the recovery time is usually one week. Now, I don't want to mislead anybody and have you think that this is a, a very minor procedure where you're going back to work the next day. That is exactly. not the case. Because <laughs> it's still not a magic wand, right? <laughs> it is absolutely. Your body is going to be going through a lot. And if you look online, you're going to see you'll see stories, horror stories of women having severe, severe pain because it's very painful when the fibroids die. Mm. The trick is to find a doctor who can treat that pain well. That's good. Treat that pain adequately. Like you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel I'm so, I'm adamant about this. I am a total wimp. I am afraid of needles. I have to lay down to have my blood drawn because I'm so, I'm such. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It makes (laughs) me, it makes me very empathetic. I, I understand completely. So I am not going to let my patients suffer. Yeah, uh, I've developed a very good protocol to treat the pain. And usually when women are, are having this procedure, um, they're in severe pain as soon as the procedure is done because the fibroids are dying. It hurts. Mm-hmm. But um, with, the, you know, I do a nerve block that blocks the pain. And there's some secrets in there that that make it very, very effective. When, when people have seen, for example, my, my nurses who work in recovery, mm-hmm. if, if they've seen a UFE done somewhere else, and then they come and work with my patients, they're astounded. They can't wow. believe that my patients are just lying there comfortable saying, okay, I need to pee. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, I'm very, I'm very proud of that. I'm very uh, emphatic that it should be that way. You shouldn't have to suffer terribly. You're going to have cramping, sure. no doubt about it. Um, and we're going to, we're going to treat it so that you're not suffering, but so the, the common symptoms after UFE are cramping pain, some nausea, especially if your pain's not under control, um, and just feeling lousy. You can have low grade fever and that can go on for several days. Yeah. In rare cases, it can go on for a couple of weeks, but usually women go back to work after one week. Wow. That's really encouraging. And I think for a lot of people who are a little bit anti-surgery or the idea of getting you know, these large incisions just scares them. I think this is really um, just a good way of just opening right. up that discussion and doing your own research and, and right. getting a consult and figuring out maybe this is the best, you know, um, this is the best option for you. It's a good option. If you come to, to the Fibroid Institute, the thing is, we're going to tell you if it's not the right thing for right. you. Right. And we're going to give you suggestions. You know, I find myself sometimes recommending an IUD or recommending an ablation right. or other things. And I, I send women for surgery often, particularly if they're trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, you and I, when we were chatting before, you talked about recurrence of fibroids. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's the, that's a downside to the surgery. If you have a myomectomy, there's about 25% of women will have recurrent fibroid symptoms after that. And it's wow. a much, much lower number for UFE because the UFE is going to kill every fibroid. It doesn't, we don't go one by one by one. Mm-hmm. The, one of the great things is no matter how many fibroids you have or where they are in the uterus or how big they are, they are all supplied by one blood vessel on one side and one blood vessel on the other side. So I treat those two vessels. It's going to kill all of them, Everything. even the tiny ones that the gynecologist can't feel that are going to grow, you know, 
if you have the surgery, they're going to take out the biggest ones, the ones that they think are causing problems and the ones that are safe and easy to get to. The one that consider the most symptomatic, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be, there may be fibroids left behind. It would be, I mean, I would expect it. There's women who make fibroids tend to make usually lots of fibroids and, or often lots of fibroids. Some women have one, but there may be fibroids left behind and they're going to continue to grow. If you have the UFE, they are not going to, every one of them is going to be dead and is never going to come back. Now you may form new fibroids. So if mm -hmm. you have treatment when you're 29, you're going to keep forming fibroids until you go through menopause. So most women do that between 50 and 55. So let's say you're 30, you've got 20 years yeah. to form new fibroids. And I have had fewer than five, but I've had a few patients come back. It's usually 10 to 15 years later. Wow. with recurrent fibroids and we've been able to just repeat the UFE procedure. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, cause the recurrence rate is what's the most astounding, especially with my methane. I knew we said it's a small percentage, 25%, but of that's course not small. In the, medicine, that's I know that's why I said 25%, but I feel yeah. like I see it so much yeah. in practice. You know, I see individuals who've had multiple myomectomies, who yeah. have these, you know, large adhesions and, you know, they're, yeah. and they're just, they're, they're, Typically the pain is actually more because they have so many adhesions at this exactly. point. And you it know. gets harder each time. Exactly. And so I think for some people, and this is where this is where it's challenging to treat now, is because now you have urinary incontinence, maybe because of the fibroid, but possibly because you know, you've got all this like adhesion surrounding, you've got all this inflammation, right? Exactly. This is your, this is your third, third yeah. surgery and you're only 40, you know, And let me tell you, gynecologists do not want to operate in there again. I, I get, you know, I said my first year, 95% came behind the backs of their gynecologists, but now more than 50% come from gynecologists sending so me good. patients. That's yeah. so good. That's yeah. so good. And it's good because obviously, you know, everybody has to know their strengths. Not every gynecologist has the capacity, you know, to manage right. <laughs> these kind of fibroids, Absolutely. you know, and you just have to know what's best for your patient at the end of the day. You know, I think that's really important. And so like, and I think one thing I I've seen, especially in my population of individuals who are done having kids and who feel this certain pressure right. to have a hysterectomy, to do something Absolutely. about it. Like, I think we need to just still talk a little bit about like, is, I, I don't know, for me, I know the answer to this, but your uterus is not just for child rearing, right? Those ovaries are not just there to have well, kiddos. <laughs> so the ovaries are very, very important in a right. lot of different areas. There is data emerging about health consequences of removing the uterus, but usually when you have a hysterectomy, they leave the ovaries mm -hmm. and take the uterus. Uh, and so most of the most of the health problems come if they take the ovaries too. But the recommendation of, for the gynecologist is to leave the ovaries until a woman reaches sixty. Mm -hmm. So usually they these days they're left behind. But you know what? It, regardless of that, a lot of women just want to keep their uterus. It's yeah. it's part of being a woman. It God put it there. Yeah. It's where my kids came from. It's part yeah. of my identity. For whatever reason, it's a very personal uh, decision if you want to leave your, you know, keep your uterus or not. And and you have options. That's the thing is you have options. Um, now, there are women who have, you know, I, every week I see a woman whose uterus comes up to her sternum up here oh my gosh. and, you know, they can't bend over or, or you know, they just, they're miserable. They can't eat. 
those women, I usually end up saying, you might want to have a hysterectomy. <laughs> yeah, interesting. no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Most of them say no, but, and, wow. and I'm always hesitant because, you know, the fibroids don't disappear. They don't vanish after the UFE. They shrink about 50%. So even still, you're going to have a big uterus. Something that was up to your sternum may now be up to your belly button, but if it were a normal size, you wouldn't even be able to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still thrilled. It doesn't matter. We know from research that it doesn't matter how much the fibroids shrink, killing them stops the symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. And so. symptom relief is the most, I, I feel like it's so key. So yeah. I hear this factor fiction, when you hit menopause, your fibroids may shrink. So when you, when you hit menopause, unless you go on hormone replacement therapy, your fibroids will stop growing and they will start shrinking. That is true. If you go on hormone replacement therapy, they will continue to grow. Interesting. And hormone replacement therapy, that could also be given due to like estrogen issues, right? So it's given usually to treat menopause symptoms, (laughs) uh, which include hot flashes and mood swings and uh, decreased libido, vaginal dryness. There's a lot of symptoms that go mm-hmm. emotional, a lot of emotional symptoms go along with menopause. But in some women, you know, the hot flashes come every 10 minutes and they oh, yeah. it's very disruptive to their lives. And um, some women just really can't tolerate those symptoms. I'm going to tell you right now, straight up, you're going to have hot flashes. Once you start menopause, you're going to have hot flashes pretty much forever. Yeah. But the intensity and the frequency of them are going to decrease significantly after a year or two. Oh, that's good. That's important to know. Um, And so just as we're running up here, I just wanted to ask you, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a while now and, (laughs) and in, in your sense, what do you feel like is the most satisfaction that you've gotten out of your practice and really niching down to just treating this population? I just, love, um, you know, the most satisfying thing is having a woman who thought she was going to have to have a hysterectomy and really didn't want one Mm. now feels great without surgery and escape surgery or, okay. How about, Oh, I've treated women who are getting a blood transfusion every month Hmm. and they call me celebrating because now, now they're not anemic anymore. That's the very satisfying also. And really seeing like a huge shift in their quality of life. I feel, you know, Absolutely. Like I, I've had a handful, I was telling her before we started recording that I've sent a handful of patients her way and I never, I, I never get a negative, you know, review. Like Thank most you. of the patients who we've just been managing their urinary incontinence, we've been managing their constipation issues, managing their pelvic pain, go get this procedure. They come back, they're doing so well that I just do like a couple of post-op visits and they're good to go. And I just feel so satisfied even seeing that. So yeah. I can only imagine, Dr. Slonim, just the yeah. joy that you see and it's just great. people truly have an, um, an increased quality of life. And so people do travel and see you from all over, right? Because I know this do. is Dallas. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I had somebody come from Seattle recently. Wow. Uh, but no, I get I get several patients from Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, some come from like Georgia, North Carolina. I've, I've had people come in a lot from all over Texas. Yeah. And now you're going to be in Houston. Now you're not going to be in Houston though. Are no, you? but you know, no, we, but we found someone who has the same passion oh, that's for awesome. treating fibroids that I do. And it's a doctor who is, is very experienced and very skilled. So oh, that's so good. So either way, no matter what, I yeah. think 
even for my folks that are down in the Houston area, I feel Absolutely. like you guys are going to be spoiled of options because Dr. Fisher in Houston, Dr. Fisher in Houston. That's awesome. Yeah. Is it open yet? Or is it almost, yeah, they opened it's uh they fibroid Institute Houston. It's actually in, um, the main office is in Katy. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The suburbs, right. The suburbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And John oh. Fisher, and he is very skilled, very good, so good. Great with patients. You're going to like him. That's so good. Well, Dr. Slonim, it was a joy chatting with you today. I'm so happy. Thank she, you so much for having me. No, she took this podcast, y'all, on vacation. So I'm very grateful Thank you. <laughs> for steal it to be able to steal her ear. But like yeah. she said, if you are in the Dallas Fort Worth area or you're in a neighboring state or you're just tired of you know dealing with whatever symptoms you're struggling with and you feel like it's time to take that leap of faith because you do offer online consultations Absolutely. as well, right? Yes. So yeah, so please give them a follow. They're, 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 her team is pretty active on Instagram and their website is super accessible. Is it- Fibroidfree.com. Fibroid, thank you, fibroidfree.com. Yeah. All right, y'all have a blessed one. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Spano. you, it's great to be here, thank you. All right. So I'm super excited that you listened in today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In order to get in contact with me, feel free to follow me on Instagram at TriggeredPT. We're also on TikTok now. Woohoo! Um, also, you can send an email directly to me at Dr. Yeni. That's D-R-Y-E-N-I at TriggeredPT.com. Please note that everything discussed here is not to replace medical advice. Seek out a practitioner if you do have urgent needs. Thank you so much. See you guys next time.